DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist in Moral Living, with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation, located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the author of numerous books, including Remain in Me, Holy Orders, Prayer and Ministry, Spousal Prayer, and The Heart of the Diaconate. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats and parish missions. The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We are now approaching the Liturgy of the Eucharist before we had the penitential rite and the Liturgy of the Word. You have referred to the Liturgy of the Eucharist as virtue's origin in charity itself. The, um, the, the sense here, remember we, what we're really trying to focus on is how this incredible mystery of Jesus is uh, reorienting us back to being good and, and loving what the conscience is prompting us to, to go after. And yes, in light of that, the Eucharist is the origin of our, of our goodness because it is the, the wellspring of divine charity. And if we want to be good, and even better, if we want to be holy, then we have to spend a lot of time at the wellspring of charity itself. This is the place that God decreed that he would be most accessible to us. Uh, the nature mystics found Christ very deeply in, in nature. Uh, there are other types of mystical centers, the nuptial mystery, for example. But God uh, most directly willed that he would be accessible to us here at the Eucharist, the origin of divine charity. And if we place our conscience at this origin, if we, if we ready ourselves to receive this mystery, then the result will be our own goodness and, and will be our holiness. The Liturgy of the Eucharist uh, comes right after we've professed our faith and offered up our prayers. And the next step then becomes another building up, that offertory that we make. How are we to enter into this offertory given it really is more than just placing money in a plate? The, um, The Liturgy of the Word ends and we are some extent now full we we have received the the revelation of god and whenever one is is full with the revelation of god or full with the presence of god the response is always to give uh give of the self you know symbolically whether it's the the fruit of our hands you know in bread and wine or it's the uh the fruit of our labor and our money uh these symbols come forward at this point as a response to being full of the Word of God. God will always lead us to the poor when we have an encounter with Him. That is the true and authentic sign that you have had an encounter with Him. Uh, some people get nervous about their prayer lives and think, well, what, you know, did I really experience God? I had a very warm feeling in my heart. I had a very ecstatic experience affectively or emotionally. God must have touched me. And... Uh, Maybe yes, maybe no. The only proof that God has ever touched us is if we are ordered after that experience toward the poor and the needs of others. And so being full with the Word of God, being full with an encounter with God, 
we now are ready to give. And so symbolically, we bring up the, the work of our hands and we bring the fruit of our labor in money and the work of our hands in, in uh, bread and wine. This uh, preparation time, the preparation of the altar and the gifts, there's a couple beautiful uh, sections here that sometimes uh, people in the pew don't hear uh, because they're said inaudibly. The first is um, this beautiful prayer that the deacon says when he prepares the altar. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And during that prayer, this is when the priest or the deacon pours a little drop of water into the wine that will soon become the blood of Christ. He calls it the mystery of this water and wine. And again, the mystery is something that you are taken up into, but you cannot fully understand. The whole mass is, is a mystery. And we are taken up into this mystery like the water is taken up into the wine here. And it is the symbol of us coming to share in the divinity of Christ. But before we share in the divinity of Christ, Christ had to show us the way. And he humbled himself by coming to share in our life. And so there's that uh, rhythm, if you will, that when you want to be close to God, you have to humble yourself. When God wanted to be, you know, take us up into his mystery, he humbled himself. And so there's this great dynamism or rhythm that we all enter into. We are to allow God to come close, and then God will humble us and send us to the poor. God so desperately wanted to be close with us, so he humbled himself and came among us as one who is poor. And so the way to be taken up into divinity is by way of service, is by way of charity, is to let Christ take you on his way. And his way was always the way of the washing of the feet. And this, of course, is... Uh, not very attractive to us. It's, it's not uh, in our self-interest, so to speak. It is the shadow, it's the precursor of the crucifixion. Because we don't naturally want to go to the poor. We don't naturally want to go there. We don't naturally want to go uh, toward those in need. That's why we need to be filled with the divinity of Christ uh, when we receive his body and blood. Because supernaturally then, we will be sent there. We don't go there on our own. To go to the poor is not our idea. To go to the poor is our mission. Uh, to go to the poor is, is our apostolate. We are sent there by Christ. Because it, left to our own devices, we would hate the poor. We would, we would spurn the poor. Because as a result of original sin, we are so self-involved. But once we allow this mystery, the mystery of Christ coming close and us responding, to mingle together, we find that the fruit of this mingling is a new mind. The mind that we you know, were getting ready to receive at the liturgy of the Word, which we did receive if we were disposed to. We're getting this new mind. What am I doing thinking about other people? This is a new mind for me. Where did this mind come from? Well, it was gifted to us by Christ coming and living in us. And uh, by his living in us, we... Uh, we took on this new mind, the mind of Christ, and we did, we did something that we never did before. We went to the poor. And so this little drop of water in the wine is, is a meditation on how God has come close to us and then raised us up. But it's also a shadow or a foretaste of what then we will do when the Mass is over. 
that we will mingle our lives with the poor and we will raise them up. We will raise them up by the hope that we bring to their presence, uh, that, they, that we bring Christ to them. And so we mingle our lives with, with their lives as well. The other uh, meditation during the liturgy of the Eucharist in terms of the preparation of the altar that is very uh, simple and not many people hear is this simple little prayer that the priest says when the altar servers bring the water over to wash his hands. And he says, the Lord, wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And the rubrics of the church tell him to say this inaudibly. This is uh, a moment between him and the Lord where he admits to the Lord that this, what is about to happen through his priesthood is in no way based upon his merit. This is pure gift. And he is so aware that what is happening here is holiness itself, that we do this, this very humble and, and almost pathetic little ritual of washing the hands and saying, Lord, this is all we can do. We know how far we are from you. Uh, th- this little washing is going to do, really do nothing to bring us close, but we hope that our attitude and our disposition, and particularly our realization, we hope our realization is going to please you that we know who we are, and we know who you are. And we know that we have no right to be here. We have no right to be here at you opening up salvation itself for us out of your divine heart. We have no right to be here, but we know that you want us here. And we want to be here. But in being here, we are so aware that we are so far from you, that you are God and we are creatures. And not only are we just creatures, we're creatures that have turned away from you regularly. So wash away our iniquities and cleanse us from our sins before we even begin uh, the holiest of the holy moments of the Mass. So the priest says this privately, but as a priest in our own way, when we see the priest wash his hands in that way, we can join him in that little prayer to prepare ourselves and also to remind us that what we are about to enter is not uh, casual, and we have no right to it. It's not owed to us to be saved by God, but he willed it. And now we want to accept this gift of salvation from him. So please make us worthy to accept this gift. A significant change occurs at this time, does it not? When prior, we were directing many of our prayers to the Lord and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And when the liturgy of the Eucharist at this point, uh, a shift occurs because now we lift up our prayers to the Father. In Christ, uh, in Christ himself, right, we turn in, with Christ, in Christ, to the Father, as Christ did upon the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And so uh, Christ, the Christ consciousness, if you will, shifts now to the obedient Son, offering his life upon the cross. And as we move into the Eucharistic prayer, we, we join in you know, the, that wonderful prayer of the, the, the thrice holy God, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. We start praising the Father, praising God for the gift that he has given us in the Son. And our consciousness shifts to our dependence on the Father, our consciousness shifts to gratitude toward the Father for what he has given us in the Son. 
So yes, this is a, a shift of consciousness upon the, the part of Christ that we join in now uh, as his church. And we begin to praise and glorify the Father in Jesus and through Jesus. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today.
We now return to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. Role that the priest plays is, can it be rightly called a bridge for us through Christ? The priest is Christ, sacramentally. And to the extent that Christ is the bridge, uh, the priest is the bridge. Since we live in a very, very deeply sacramental church, because God understood how deeply we are dependent upon signs, on that which we can see and touch, hear, taste, he gifted us with his presence in the ongoing presence of the priest so that we are literally saturated with his presence at the Mass, the gathering, the community, and the Word of God, and the body and the blood of Christ, and in the priesthood himself, in the priest himself, Christ is present. So that always seems exaggerated language, and there is such, you know, there's some priests who even chafe at that, you know, the, the priest is Christ. They'd rather be servant leaders or CEOs or something that, doesn't put too deep a claim on them. See, it's much easier for a priest to be a leader than it is to be Christ. And so there's been a movement of late to downplay that, that, uh, that sense of the priest as set apart, as striving for holiness. Now, of course, we all know that the priest is still human and he's not Christ in a sense that he's the perfect man or that the priest is our savior. This is sacramental language. But even in sacramental language, for some men that cuts a little close to say that he, you know, he is Christ among us. Well, I mean, one question you have to ask, why are you sitting in that fancy chair then? Mm-hmm. Are you sitting in that fancy chair because you've got a big ego? Maybe. But you're only supposed to be sitting in that chair if you actually believe that sacramentally you are Christ. You are the one who represents for us the ongoing presence you're the one who, who Christ acts in when you say, this is my, my uh, body, this is my blood. He, when you say those words, Christ is acting in you. He's not acting in me. He's not acting in the people of the congregation. He's acting in you. You are set apart as priest. And so there is a little bit of uh, unease in some priests, and they continually want to secularize their understanding of their role. But um, they do that at the peril of the depth of the spiritual life that Christ is trying to give them the depth of intimacy that Christ wants them to share with him. Uh, If you reduce yourself to a CEO, well then, your spirituality might match that. Uh, If you drive to let Christ bring you to the place he wants to bring you as priest, which is uh, you are a spiritual father for the parish, uh, you might have ecstasy upon ecstasy. You might actually enter into a sacramental, mystical life. But it will cost you morally. You may actually have to struggle your way to actually represent the priesthood in a virtuous way. So, for example, in that case, there'll be no double life anymore. Uh, There'll be no hypocrisy. There'll be no, well, this time is mine, and then I give eight hours a day to the parish. Uh, Anybody who's married knows that they can't do that. I can't give nine to five to my kids or nine to five to my wife. Uh, these are claims that are put upon us, that form us and create us. And so it is with the priesthood. It's the way you're created into a saint. God has called you to this. And now this is the claim that he puts upon you. And he, you will be configured to him as priest. 
and that claim can weigh heavy on the shoulders of some men. But I don't think the way to carry that cross is to devalue the sacredness of the priesthood. Uh, That's going totally in the wrong direction. It's to have a stronger priest fraternity. It's to have a stronger spiritual life. It's to actually uh, ask your own people in your parish to pray for you, to explain the priesthood to them so that they understand what it is, and they will understand that the call you have received is unique and special, and you're not just one of them. You're not the same. Uh, you're, you're not interchangeable with Mrs. Smith, who's the DRE. I mean, I'm not interchangeable for my children. I, I, if I go away for a business trip or something, I don't have a, a rent-a-husband or a rent-a-father come in. They'll know that it's not their father. I'm not interchangeable as father. And yet a lot of times, in a, in, under the rubric of collaborative ministry, uh, the priest is interchangeable with the deacon. He's interchangeable with the DRE. He's interchangeable with anyone who might want to lead a prayer. That may make it easy for one to be priest, because not much is riding on the priesthood then. It would be a lot easier for me to be a father if I was interchangeable with the neighbors to my left and my right. Well, I'm going away now, so Bob, you take care of my kids. And then my kids will be just as happy to see Bob as they would to see me. That's very easy. But part of the burden of being a father is knowing that only I can father them. And that's the, the burden of the priesthood too. And if that burden is too much for the priest, then he really needs to seek out deep spiritual direction and deep help and to no longer resist the call of Christ to such a level of intimacy that he has been called to, and to not be afraid of that level of intimacy either, and to stop being a CEO and to be our father. Um, we, need, we need fathering. Now, of course, this is politically incorrect, as we all want to stand as adults before God. Mm-hmm. Usually when we stand as adults before God, we make fools of ourselves, because we then think we have power, We then think that we are independent or or autonomous. And we just begin to look silly and make silly judgments. The only times we really make holy judgments is under obedience, which of course is what Christ did upon the cross, which is what we're celebrating here at the Mass. We only make holy judgments under obedience. That means out of a heart that loves the Lord so much that they hear only His voice, They're not distracted by the voices of the passing age. They want to listen only to Christ. That's what obedience means. They want to listen only to Christ. And out of that listening stance, which we went went through in the Liturgy of the Word, in that dependency upon the Word of God, paradoxically, we become mature. So we first have to become dependent on the authority of God. And then we become mature in a paradoxical way by giving obedience to God's authority. The priest, as the chief catechist of the parish, he deserves our obedience. Now the great painful lesson always is, well, what if the priest is an idiot? What if he's uncharacteristically vicious? And this, of course, um, is a painful situation beyond belief. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like child abuse. Um, you trust your father at home to give you good things. I feed my children well. I clothe them. My children trust me that dad will give good things to them. Well, we expect the priest to give us doctrine, to give us orthodoxy, 
to give us food that will feed us. Uh, we expect him as our father not to give us the same ideological pablum that a Rosie O'Donnell is giving or something like that, mm -hmm. but to literally give us food that builds our bones, makes us less anemic in our blood. And, and to have a father not do that because he's vicious or emotionally unstable or a political ideologue is the, is the worst of all crimes of the priesthood. For we trust you, and you have the pulpit. And you only have the pulpit because we expect you to be talking about the mystery of Christ. Not about your own travel log or where you like to go on vacation or, <laughs> or what, what is your last idea. That's right. Your last idea, as a dad sitting in the pew, your last idea is meaningless to me. I want my spiritual father to help me help my children see the congruency between my home and the church. And so there are these claims put upon the priest by Christ that are heavy at times. And so some priests want to wiggle out of them. Or they, you know, because of our human weaknesses, they use the priesthood to their own ends. All these faults and difficulties that the priests struggle with. But the way back for the priest is to let Christ have his way with you. The way back is to let Christ have his way with you. Be who Christ wants you to be. The altar Christus. The, the one among us who allows Christ to act in him as head of the parish. The dignity of the priesthood uh, is not, not to make you feel uh, proud or inflate your ego. Any holy priest knows this, that the closer they get to the dignity of the priest, the more humble they become, the more in awe they become over what Christ has called them to be. And so the priest here uh, is the man we need to pray for desperately. Even at each Mass that we attend, because of the call that he has received, it weighs upon him very heavily to be a good man, to be virtuous. But he needs our prayers to fight against whatever demonic powers may be pulling him in different directions. And so as he stands upon the altar, when we look at our parish priest, on occasion, particularly at the Mass, we want to beg the Lord to send many graces upon him so that he will truly be our Father and that he will give us real food to eat. And not just the ideas of this passing age. That he'll be strong enough to teach the truth, even if we, the children, get mad at him. And of course, everybody wants to be liked. The greatest weakness of parenting today is that the parents want to be liked by their children. Mm -hmm. The greatest weakness of the priesthood is that priests want to be liked by their people. And, of course, we shouldn't do anything to make our children or our people intentionally not like us. In other words, if we have character flaws, we should try to get them healed. We're not talking here about, I don't like my father because every time I talk to him, he only gives me a one-word answer or just continually ignores me. That's being a good father. I don't like my father. No, that's a pathology that needs to be healed. We're talking about 
When a dad says to his daughter, you will be in by the curfew, or you will not wear that type of clothing, or you will not see those type of friends, and the daughter hates the father. And the father suffers for the truth that he teaches. Well, so, so it is with the priest. There are ten commandments that the Lord has given us. We must follow them. Oh, Father, you still don't believe that. There are doctrines given to us by the Second Vatican Council, by the other doctrines, and excuse me, by the other councils of the Church, by the fullness of the Catechism in all areas of morality. And you must abide by these. Oh, Father, you don't believe that still. Look, why don't we fudge a bit here or expand a bit here? Or don't you see how doctrine develops in our age? And don't you see how wise we are in this age and how stupid the people were a hundred years ago? Surely you can't believe that what we taught a hundred years ago has any merit today, can you, Father? And he can just feel the isolation coming upon him. To preach such truth from the pulpit, he can feel the isolation. And so only a very courageous man will stand and tell the children no. Because they won't like him. And Father's human, and Father wants to be liked. But we don't want to be fed chicken nuggets and junk food. Because after a while, the body of Christ will shrivel. The body of Christ will become anemic. We will become Americans. No, we want to be fed the body and the blood of Christ, which the priest can only give us, not only at the altar, but at the pulpit. He feeds us this living bread when he teaches doctrine and truth. So he has a heavy burden. And we should be praying that he has the courage to teach in that way. Even right at the Mass, that the Lord would unleash many graces. That he would teach the truth to us, even if we hate the truth. Pray that we have a place to go to hear the truth. Our church. We're so proud to think that we are the generation that will contribute to development of doctrine, especially in morals. I think we're being fooled. Chastity is good for us. Temperance is good for us. All of the sins that we push against in the seven deadly sins ought to be pushed against, even today. These are are wise teachings that affect us at the very depth of our human nature. They're not time-bound teachings. And the priest has been given the cross to continually teach what is not time-bound to a culture that only exists in the present moment. You've been listening to The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com.
This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating.